0: hello everybody and welcome to the snow show podcast i am your host phil snow uh pleasure to be with you guys here um after a long break it seems like uh it's been a while since i've uh spoken with you guys so uh, it's great to be back here i apologize for the long delay Uh, things have been pretty hectic uh so i want to jump into some of the stuff that we want to talk about here tonight you know i want to get back into the uh the divisions of the NFL, you know, I want to finish up doing the AFC, I want to finish on the AFC South and finish on the AFC West, I have some of those predictions, and I also want to get into a little bit of the NBA stuff, you know, they're going to they're gonna restart the season, uh, they're going to do the 20-team thing in Orlando, so that's cool, we're going to touch on that a little bit, I'm going to do it this day in history because I have some cool ones to throw at you guys, and I'm also going to do my alphabet starting lineup for my basketball, Starting lineup, so uh, you know I got a fun, fun episode for for you guys here tonight. So I'm looking forward to bringing it to you. Um, you know, I first of all I just kind of want to start with, you know, the whole NBA thing. You know, I you know them having. A season is a a good thing here. So what they're going to do is they're going to have 22 teams. They're all going to play in Orlando. They're going to fly these teams in on July 7th. So that's going to give them about two and a half to three weeks to be there. I'm sure they're going to have to be quarantined in their first week, two weeks that they're there. So they're going to have to deal with that. You know, you know stuff like, you know, there's going to be a lot of things to this that we're not getting all, all the glimpse of. You know, there's going to be a lot of behind-the-scenes to this, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff to this. You know, there's going to be a lot of coronavirus testing, I'm sure, I'm sure involved in this as well. Uh, players getting their temperature checks. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of that going on as well. Um, a couple of things that the NBA is doing, though, you know, they're going to have 17 players on the roster instead of 15. You know, before you were only allowed to have 15. Now they're going to let you have 17 there's going to be a few weeks of games. I mean, they're I don't know exactly how it's going to go. We're going to have to play that by ear. But you know, there's going to be some games to finish out a regular season to to help determine those last playoff teams. Uh, as you know, the spot in the West was you know very tight with Memphis involved and New Orleans. The Pelicans were involved and the Spurs, and there were four teams that did you know two, three, four games of each other. Uh, the Blazers also being one of them, one of those teams. And and you know when you when you talk about this 22 team tournament. You know, you really got to think about the teams who it's benefiting the most. Um, The Portland Trailblazers, this time off, really could have helped them. Uh, they're, They're going to fully reload. They're going to have everybody healthy. They're going to have Zach Collins back. They're going to have Nurkic back. Uh, so they're going to have Hassan Whiteside healthy, so they're always going to be able to have a rim protector in the game. If somebody's tired, uh, I mean, for real, they could always have two rim protectors in the game. Collins is good enough that he could play at the power forward position. Uh, you know, when you look at a team like Portland, I, uh, you know, now you got this dilemma about oh, well, well is Carmelo Anthony going to come back and play? So now you have a little bit of outside drama that's you know involved in that. But you know, other than that, when I look at Portland, I, you know, I look at Portland to be a really dangerous. Team, I think they're the best matchup for the Lakers at the eight seed. I, 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 think everybody would love to see the LeBron Zion matchup. I really do. Hey, let's talk about it. Four games with LeBron and Zion. I mean, who wouldn't want to watch that? But I want to see the best games. I mean, let 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 us put it in perspective here, people. If we saw a one on one matchup with LeBron and Zion, if it was outside the paint, LeBron's going to blows by Zion, and that's going to be that. I mean, that's going to be that. Looking at it in different terms. You know, when you think about maybe, you know, down low, you know, you think maybe Zion would get the better of LeBron in some of those instances. But you still got to think, hey, you know, LeBron's been around for a long time. You know, he knows the ins and outs of the games and the, you know, the game and, you know, positioning as well. LeBron's so good at his positioning. And, you know, I just think the Lakers would really overpower the Pelicans. It wouldn't be a good, it wouldn't be a good series matchup. You know, the 1-8 isn't supposed to be the best series, but I mean, we want to see competitiveness. I think the 1-8 could be a good series in the West if the right team matches up with them. Again, I, I don't think the Pelicans are the best matchup. I don't think the Grizzlies are the best matchup. The Grizzlies are a young team. Uh, they do have a lot of firepower. Uh, you know, I like what the Grizzlies could be in the next couple years. Can they keep Marcus? Gasol? Can they keep that core over there? You know they have a lot of young talent. They've 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 used a lot of high draft picks uh, to get good players in the draft recently. So you know I like what Memphis is doing over there. I just don't think that this is their year. So I think them not getting in the eight seed, uh, you know, wouldn't be that terrible for them. I mean I know they want to make the playoffs, but you know what they could fall into a lottery spot if they don't make the playoffs, which could get them another great pick to set them up for better better for next year, the year before that, so or the year after that. Excuse me. So. You know, those are just some things that you want to, you know, think about when you're talking about these teams and and seeing that one versus eight matchup. You know, I I, I like Portland a lot. I think Damian Lillard and 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 CJ McCollum would are, are going to be deadly. I, I think they're a tough matchup for any guard wise uh, matchups. I I don't, I don't know who the Lakers are going to match up guard wise. I know Avery Bradley will probably guard Damian Lillard, but. I mean, if he's guarding Damian Lillard, you know who's going to guard C.J. McCollum, and and who's LeBron going to guard, and with the matchup difficulties that Le- Portland would present, you know, seeing LeBron and Carmelo matchup would be fun, but then who's going to who's going to guard? You know LeBron on defense. Yeah, uh, you know when you're looking at Portland's point of view. So you know those are some things that you have to consider when you're looking at that matchup. Uh, again, I I honestly believe that Portland is the best matchup just because of the way their big guys can go with LA's big guys. Uh, Nurkic is going to be a big body in there to bang with Anthony Davis and and Zach Collins is you know he's a tall, lengthy guy. You know he he has that ability to. To be a dangerous player and uh, down low, as far as def- defensive concern wise go too, you know he he has ability to guard at the power forward and center position. So you know we could see a lot of good things for Portland if they find a way to sneak in that eighth seed. Uh, you know when you look at the East, it was pretty much all wrapped up. Uh, you know they're I I think they're going nine teams in the East. They're giving one other team a shot, and that was the the Wizards, uh, who I believe are four games out of out of eighth place. So, you know, I don't know if they're going to be able to get in or not. You know, I just, I think that the East was pretty much locked down. I think that we all thought, you know, either Milwaukee or Boston was going to go there. Well, you know, I think at first, at the beginning of the year, a lot of people thought that the 76ers would be in a lot of that talk as well. But, you know, like I said, in prior episodes, you know, the 76ers have kind of fallen off the grid a little bit. Uh, They haven't been able to win a lot of road games, so that's hurt them a lot. So um, just, you know, I, I think that the best again. I would say this that I think the best matchup would be the Trailblazers in the West. Um, I again I think I at the beginning of the season I said I think the Clippers would win it all. I I still buy into that fact. I think defense wins championships. I think they have two of the top five two way players in the in the game on their team. So, uh, at any given point in time, they have two of the best defenders in the league on the floor. So. Uh, the Clippers are the team to beat, in my opinion. Now I know the West is pretty much up for grabs because there's so many good teams. You know the Jazz are really good, uh, even the Oklahoma City Thunder surprising a lot of people this year with how good they were. <clears throat> you know, losing all those guys and Chris Paul getting traded over there, and uh, just kind of you know Shea, you know Shea Gil- Gilgis Alexander, you know having a great year uh, for Oklahoma City. You know, I think Oklahoma City can make some noise. I just don't think that they have those superstars to get over the hump to coincide with Chris Paul and... Uh, you know Chris Paul's never had success in the playoffs even when he was set up with Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan and Jamal Crawford and all those guys over there in LA you know he was he was never he was never able to push that you know past the Western Conference Finals into the into the finals you know and I know they had to play Steph Curry and the Warriors and, and the Warriors of that prime but you know if that's if, if you want to be considered a legend you know that's kind of what you got to do so uh, those are just things you know to consider when you're thinking about this whole twenty two team tournament and being in Orlando and you know how is it gonna go and you know what's it, it is really interesting to see what's gonna happen with it and you know I'm looking forward to it you know I'm glad the season's coming back uh, they're gonna aim to start back up on Jul- uh, July thirtieth or July thirty first uh, and they're looking to have the game seven of the NBA finals by no later than Monday October twelfth so. You know that's what you're looking at to be done with, and then they're looking at aim of the season December first opening night for uh, next season. So you know you're looking at a month and a half turnaround real quick from one season to the next. It's going to be the quickest offseason you've had. You know I think I I think it's going to affect next season's play. I'm not sure how, but I do think it's going to have a, a a big impact. On that, maybe guys are going to be more tired. Uh, they didn't have quite a bit, as much of an off season. Uh, they're going to struggle because they didn't give as much offseason work with the skill stuff that they normally would be able to, or, or what have you. So, uh, I, you know, I'm excited to see the NBA come back. I, I think there's going to be a lot of people out here that are going to protest to this. Uh, I think some people aren't going to be comfortable with coming back and playing. It'll be interesting to see who takes that route and who doesn't and you know who jump who wants to jump on the bag, bandwagon of you know this is not healthy or you know we don't want to do this that and the other and you know you got to think some of these coaches are probably above 60 years old so they're putting themselves more at risk by traveling down there so again there's a lot of pla- factors that play into this uh you know that that we may, may may not be necessarily considering so you know I think it's something important that we keep in mind as we move forward with this nba stuff and you know kudos for them to be able to figure it out uh to get back to be able to play you know i i think most of the guys in the nba want to play i think you're just kind of unsure about how this is going to work uh with the coronavirus and, and everything going on so you know you know still a little bit over a month away before we could even, uh, before we even get them into Orlando, so you know, a little over a month away for, uh, the season to start as well. So you know, we have some time for us to figure this out and to be able to nail down some more details, uh, to see where we could go with that. So, uh, that'll be interesting to see what happens. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out to see if we can get, uh, the best playoff matchups possible. You know, like I said. Uh, you know, I would love to see Zion match up. I would love to see John Moran match up with LeBron a few times. You know, I think Memphis gave uh, LA a few really, really good games this year. So, you know, I think I think Memphis has a young crew. So I think that would have helped in the long season, in the long run, after all those games. But now that everybody had this time off, you know, I don't think that's something that they could really use to their advantage. So, uh, you know, just, you know, again, something else to consider. I, I, I really like what's going to happen here because it's going give a, it's going to give some teams uh, the knack to want to 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 drive to be good because they're fighting for their lives here. You know they're fighting for a playoff spot, and and that's what I think this is exactly what they wanted to do at this twenty two team tournament. They wanted to give teams a chance to battle and and really give some good games for you fans out there. And uh, you know that's just something that. You know, we have to, you know, take in stride and and hope for the best for the NBA and hope that next season doesn't get affected too much drastically by this because, uh, you know, this is what we all wanted. We all wanted the NBA back. So uh, we're going to get it and uh, we're going to see how it goes and, you know, and I'm all for it. However, we have to make it work. Uh, You know, if we get some test positive, are we going to cancel a season, cancel it down? I don't know. Uh, You know, those things are always up in the air. You always have to consider those factors. So. It really is something to keep in mind, and it's something to take in and think about because, you know, what if what if a big superstar decides that they don't want to play, they want to sit out, and you know this team is in the in the midst of a playoff their playoff run, and uh, they don't want to they don't want to go back and and play. Well, we just got the sixth seed in the in the Eastern Conference Finals. We're gonna or the Eastern Conference. We're gonna go play against the number three seed Celtics, and and give them a run for their money, and our best player doesn't want to play because, you know, I understand there's going to be things that happen like that. I hope that's not the case. I hope we don't run into too many issues like that, but I feel like there are going to be some instances where that happens, and I hope for the best in it. Uh, NBA coming back, like I said, looking to start up July 30th or July 31st and have a Game 7 of the NBA Finals on Monday, October 12th at the latest. So uh, good things happening there. Get the NBA come back. Uh, before we get into the NFL stuff, I want to give you guys this my uh, this date in history on June twelfth, um, two thousand ten. Daniel Nava hit a grand slam on his first pitch he saw as a major leaguer. The Boston Red Sox called him up. Uh, they absolutely demolished in that game. But uh, just for that young man to come up, uh, to get called up in AAA uh, from AAA and then to go uh, to the Boston Red Sox, one of the most you know perennial. Uh, teams ever in baseball, you know, just an amazing feat for him, so awesome there, uh, June 12th, 1997, the first interleague baseball game took place, I thought that was pretty interesting, uh, you know, one I wanted to really share with you guys, uh, you know, I am a Tigers fan, but this one, you know, because I think, you know, this particular guy is just one of the most genuine, uh, you know, professional athletes there is, and I just, you know, I Justin Verlander throw a no hitter on June twelfth, two thousand seven, and I just want to play the video for you guys of the last three outs because I want you guys to know like how the amazing play that was made in this game to help keep the no hitter intact, uh, the double play ball, uh, just you know a lot of things. You know this was great stuff. This was Justin Ver- Verlander's first no hitter. Uh, the audio. So that was my this day in history, uh, you know, Justin Verlander, just, you know, one of the most, you know, most professional professionals there is in the game of baseball, you know, just a guy who's pretty much dominated the entire league. And when it comes to pitching since he's came into the league, uh, that was his first no hitter uh, with the Detroit Tigers, like I said, on June twelfth, two 2007. Uh, and a 4 nothing win, he threw his first no-hitter, and that was the first no-hitter at Comerica Park. Uh, it was also the first Tigers no-hitter since 1984 when Jack Morris no-hit the uh, the, the Chicago White Sox. <clears throat> um, since then, uh, Justin Verlander, you know, no big deal. Uh, 225 career wins with a th- uh, 3.33 career ERA with over 3,000 strikeouts. He has two Cy Young award Two Cy Young awards, a World Series win, one MVP award, over over 450 appearances and games. He's the sixth pitcher in MLB history with three no hitters. Only two pitchers have thrown more no hitters than Justin Verlander. Nolan Ryan with seven and Sandy Koufax with four. Uh, he is the only active pitcher with three no hitters. His three no hitters were on. Uh, t- June 12, 2007 against Milwaukee, May 7, 2011 at Toronto, and September 1, 2019 uh, versus Toronto uh, as a member of the Houston Astros. Uh, you know, and I just want to go, I, I I found this stat to be really interesting, you know, Justin Verlander has always been a dominant pitcher uh, pretty much all, all throughout his Major League Baseball career and, and all the things that he was able to do to make guys look silly with the curveball and just... You know, just his ability uh, to really make guys look silly uh, was one of the best I've seen in a really long time. And uh, you know, he has so much fun playing the game. He's very, he's very spoken. He's very emotional on the field. Uh, you know, he'll he'll get revved up. He he gets fired up. Uh, you know, Mario and Pemba and Ron Allen on that call there uh, on that double play ball. You know, you know what an amazing play it really was. Uh, and you could tell that Justin Verlander at the end of that thing with a huge fist pump. You know, just. You know, in his first no hitter, you know, you can only imagine how the tension was rising for him. So, uh, to be able to have that play was absolutely amazing. And the stat that I wanted to throw at you guys, that I just thought was absolutely phenomenal. <clears throat> uh, in, in in September October combined, he's pitched eighty games. In those eighty games, uh, sometimes he obviously took a no decision. Uh, he's forty six and eighteen, which is a seventy one percent winning percentage with 576 strikeouts and a 2.84 ERA career ERA. Uh, it's 533 innings pitched in the in those months. um just outstanding numbers, especially during crunch time towards the end of the season if you need to win games and, and you're fighting for a pennant race and you're fighting for a, you know, this is the guy you that you want on the mound. This is the guy that you want uh, in your corner. Uh, you know, Justin Verlander has always just been, been that guy that you can always depend on to go out there and give you a, a quality start uh he's he's been an ace for the tigers for a long time he he's been an he's an astro now he's an ace for the Houston Astros uh when they even even when they had Garrett Cole you know JV was the guy uh you know struggles in world series games at times but you know uh, 14 and 11 play career playoff record so uh Justin Verlander you know just just an amazing pitcher an amazing baseball player and uh, it's been a pleasure to be able to watch him uh, so that was my This Day in History. My This Day in History was brought to you uh, by Dorian Hooker's Pro Day Performance Training. Uh, Out on Route 64 in Waterville, Ohio, you can get a hold of, of my buddy Dorian Hooker at 419-290-5716. Uh, or my buddy Jordan Berdu at 419-966-7335 you can schedule sessions for an hour uh, if that's 30 bucks a session or 15 session for $250 which is about a $200 uh, savings uh, these guys have trained over 60 athletic scholars uh, to 60 athletic scholarships uh, a bunch of division 1 scholarships again Dorian Hooker's Pro Day Performance Training uh, on Route 64 in Waterville, Ohio uh, Dorian Hooker at 419-290-5716 or Jordan Berdew at five 966 7335 So I want to jump into this NFL stuff. You know, you know these are some of my favorite divisions actually to to do because I I, I like the I, I like the combination of these divisions. You know, I, I like what I see. You know, some of these. You know, it's interesting because when you look at some of these quarterback depth charts, you're like, man, you know, I you know I don't know how these teams are going to do. You know, i you know I'm not sure. You know, if the quarterbacks they have are going to be able to take them to where they need to be, and when you're looking at these depth charts, you know, I, I see that in some of these teams, and you know, especially in, in these divisions, uh, you know. So, you know, I want to start with uh, with the AFC South. You know, this is an interesting inter- division. Inter- oh, excuse me, this is an interesting division. Uh, I, I think the worst team in the NFL will come out of this di- division. I think the Jags will be the worst team in the division. Um, you know, they're, they're going to struggle because they're going to struggle as a team, but they also have a really tough schedule. Um, uh, weeks 8 through 15 at the Chargers versus the Texans, at the Packers versus the Steelers versus the Browns, at Minnesota, at home versus the Titans, and at Baltimore. Uh, so just a tough just a tough, uh, road right there with that schedule. Uh, you know, you know, when you're looking at the Jags who are coming on, off a pretty disappointing season, I would imagine, uh, you know, where do you go from here if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars? You know, when you look at what they did in the draft, they got a, a quarterback in the first round. They got a defensive tackle from Ohio State all, as well. Uh, they added Joe Schobert in the offseason linebacker from the Browns. They added tight end Tyler Eifert. You know, and here's what my biggest question mark is, is, is Gardner Minshew, if he can't do the job, what is Mike Glennon gonna be able to come in and do? You know, Mike Glennon is not an established guy in the NFL. You know, we don't know what Mike Glennon's gonna be able to do. He's pretty much like Gardner Minshew. He's up in the air. He could have a few games and 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 then struggle and and go downhill and throw a lot of interceptions. You know, it's 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 a struggle for me. To be behind Jacksonville, you know they got rid of their 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 best defensive player. Now I understand they got a defensive tackle in the draft to help coincide with that, but I mean there's no way that the Jags did anything in there to be to get better. Uh, they didn't do what they needed to do to get better, and I think you know that's that's something that's going to come back to bite them. You know I think they're again they're going to be the worst team in the NFL. Um, and, and another question for Mark for me is their receiver DJ Chart. You know, big play guy last year, Leonard Fournette. Is he going to be able to stay healthy? You know, these are these are the questions that we have to ask when you're considering the Jacksonville Jaguars. Leonard Fournette hasn't been able to stay healthy a season yet. Is he a great running back? Yes, I think Leonard Fournette is a great running back, but he can't stay healthy, and we've seen that. We've seen that he can't stay healthy. We've seen that he struggles to stay healthy. We've seen that he struggles to play more than ten games. The Jacksonville Jaguars need him to play more than ten games if they want to be successful. Even if he plays more than ten games, I don't think they're gonna be that successful. I don't think the Jacksonville Jaguars had a good offseason. I don't think they needed they made moves that they needed to make. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are gonna struggle. Again, who's their quarterback gonna be if Gardner Minshew can't get the job done? Mike Lennon is their backup quarterback on the depth chart. Jacksonville Jaguars, two and fourteen. They're gonna struggle. Houston Texans. Look, I like I like Houston a lot, okay? You know, I didn't realize how many excellent signings that the Texans had this offseason until I took a until I took a really close look at it. The Houston Texans got a safety in Michael Thomas, which you know they struggled a little bit on the on the backside of their defensive uh on big plays a few times. So I think they got it the speedy guy. Uh, they signed offensive tackle, uh Laramie Tunsil. They got a huge, huge wide receivers in the offseason. Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb signed to a three-year deal. That is huge for the Texans. Look, I know they got rid of DeAndre Hopkins, but they got good running backs. They have a great receiving core. Now, just think about if Will Fuller stay healthy. If stays healthy. If Will Fuller can find any way to stay healthy and stay on the field, the Houston Texans, in my opinion, could easily have one of the top three receiving cores in the NFL with Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, and Will Fuller. Will Fuller's a deep threat. Brandon Cooks is a guy who can run the slot. He can he can get in there and he can run the slant route. He's gonna stick his nose in there for tough plays. I, I love Brandon Cooks. Randall Cobb, he's another guy that can work out of the slot. He's a fast receiver. He can run the reverse plays that you want to run. The Texans are gonna open it up. They're gonna they're gonna be good. I think this is a make or break year for them. I really do. I think their training camp is going to be huge because of the new wide receiving court. Deshaun Watson could be in the MVP talks this year. That's how good I think Houston's going to be this year. I think Deshaun Watson has a potential to win the MVP award this year. He's not going to have the rushing yards that Lamar Jackson has, but he's going to have the touchdown passes. He's going to have the yards. He's not going to have the interceptions because Deshaun Watson doesn't turn the ball over. Look, I like Houston. I love what Houston did in the offseason. I think they're going to be a competitive out for everybody. I do. They're going to be a tough out in this division. They're going to win this division. They're going to win this division over the Titans. I I believe that. The Titans last year kind of squeaked in a little bit. the The Texans are here to stay, my friends. I think the Titans are going to be good. Let's not take anything away from Tennessee. They didn't get worse. But the Texans got nothing but better. They address the situations that they needed to address. If they keep their defense healthy and they keep their offensive weapons like Will Fuller on the field, man, the Houston Texans are going to be absolutely scary. Now they have a couple bumps in the road on their schedule. I, I think they're going to struggle a few, a, a, you know, at times. they got to play Tennessee twice. They play Kansas City. They play Pittsburgh, Baltimore. KC, Pitt, Baltimore, Minnesota. First four games. They get a break with Jacksonville, and then they go to Tennessee, and then they're home with Green Bay. So, Houston could be four and three. I mean, they could be five and two. I mean, this is what I'm talking about with Houston. But after that, at Jacksonville, at Cleveland, at home against the Pat- the Patriots, and then on the road against the Lions, and then it doesn't it doesn't get much tougher for them to finish out the season. They do finish out the year at the end of the season at home against Tennessee, which is a is a very winnable game. I have them winning that game. I think they're going to take care of business. I do think Tennessee is going to be a great team, guys. Let's I'm, let's not, not take anything away from Tennessee, but I like Houston. I like what Houston's done. Houston can stay healthy. Deshaun Watson's going to have an MVP-esque talking season. They're going to talk about Deshaun Watson for, NBC that, for MVP this season. Book it. 13-3 for the Texans. They're winning the division. Moving on. Tennessee Titans. Let's talk about the Titans. They knocked out the Patriots last year in the playoff. I th- I think some of us picked the Titans to do that. I think it shocked us all still that they did it. But I think that there was quite a few of us that picked the Titans over the Patriots in that scenario, and look what happened. They pulled it out. Now, the Titans in the offseason, they addressed a few big concerns. They went out and got a great veteran offensive linebacker, or outside, excuse me, outside linebacker and Vic Beasley. They got an offensive tackle in Dennis Kelly. A quarterback and Jonathan Joseph, who's a veteran guy who's been around the league for a long time. They re-signed Ryan Tannehill, and they franchise-tagged Derrick Henry. They also got an offensive tackle out of Georgia in the draft. So they're staying true to that offensive line, big, stout offensive line, getting the running game going, getting Derrick Henry on a roll behind those big bodies. That's what they're trying to accomplish. But you know what? If they don't go back to the playoffs and they don't make noise in the playoffs, this is a fail for them, in my opinion. They didn't get any worse. If anything, their record has to improve. They have to play better on the road, down the stretch. Tennessee has to make the games count. When they when they got to win the games, they're supposed to win. Tennessee's going to be good this year. Tennessee's going to battle every game this year. If they can run the football. This is my biggest concern. If Derrick Henry can't get an established running game going... What is Ryan Tannehill going to be able to do? Is Ryan Tannehill going to be able to throw the ball 35 times and have Houston, win, or excuse me, and have Tennessee win 10 games? I don't think so. They had the playoff games last year; and they barely had to throw the ball. Ryan Tannehill threw the ball 17 times. I think it was eight for 17 against the Patriots. I mean, th- this is what we're talking about. Is is Ryan Tannehill going to be able to put them on their back and take them down the field for a game tying touchdown drive? When they need him to. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if Ryan Tannehill's got it in him. They re-signed him. They want him to be his their guy. They're dependent on the running game. It has to work. What if it doesn't? If the running game in Tennessee does not work, what are they going to do? I don't know if they're going to be able to succeed. Ryan Tannehill has shown, without a successful running game, his quarterback skills. Look what happened to Miami. Miami didn't have a successful running game. He got eight up. He couldn't run a play-action pass. There was no running game to set it up. Now, Derrick Henry in that offensive line, that's exactly what they are building around. Because, without that, Ryan Tannehill can't lead them to victory. Look, I got the the Titans at 11-5, but they could just as easily be 8-8. Eight I'm serious. They could. I think Tennessee's going to be good. They got some bumps in the road. What do we know about Tennessee? They're going to run the football. Their teams are going to start stacking the box. I think they got a tough first half of the schedule. They're at Denver. They're versus Jackson. They're at home against Jacksonville. They're at Minnesota, and then they have three at home against Pittsburgh, Buffalo, and Houston. That's a tough schedule. I don't care if you have those games at home. Pittsburgh's going to be a tough out. Buffalo's going to be a tough out. I like Buffalo. And I like Houston. What what are they going to be able to do with Tennessee? They have to repeat success, or this year, in my opinion, is a fail. I believe that. Ryan Tannehill's got to make it happen. Derrick Henry's going to get stuffed. They're going to put eight guys, nine guys in the box. They're going to make Ryan Tannehill beat you. Is he going to be able to do it? Titans 11-5. Moving on. Indianapolis Colts. Now the Colts were just as active as anybody in the offseason. They did add a few great offseason moves in my opinion. They got DeForest Buckner from the Niners. That's a huge pickup. He was one of the hot free agents. Everybody wanted him. He went to the Colts. They got Eric Ebron. They re-signed him. They got Devin Funchess. They got Trey Byrne. They got quarterback Xavier Rhodes from the Vikings. And let's not forget Philip Rivers. Hey, what does Philip Rivers have left? That's what I want to know. It's a whole different style offense in Indianapolis than what they were running in L.A. We're going to find out if Philip Rivers can adjust to a new system. He's used to the Chargers. He's been there for so long. This is a new system for the Colts. It'll be interesting to see... What Phillip Rivers is able to do and adjust to it. Now, the Indianapolis Colts have made it pretty firm that that, that Phillip Rivers is going to be their guy. That's who they want at starting quarterback. They want Phillip Rivers at starting quarterback. That's how it's going to be. Phillip Rivers is going to get the time. Like Jacoby Brissett is right behind him. So if anything happens, they have a good quarterback that he could go back him up with. But Jacoby Brissett's got to be biting at the here. I mean, I mean, he went 7-9 last year. He could have easily went 10-6. And, and we wouldn't be talking about them getting Phillip Rivers, I don't think. They would have stuck with Jacoby Brissett. Here's what I like. They got Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin to the draft. Jonathan Taylor is a great running back. If I am the Indianapolis Colts, I'm stoked about that. I'm going with a one-two punch of Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor because without those two guys running the football effectively... Phillip Rivers is not going to be effective either. They have to be able to run the football. I think they did a nice job with that last year. I think Marlon Mack had a wonderful season last year. I had him in fantasy. I thought thought he had a great year. He had a great year last year for the Colts. He can catch balls out of the backfield. He runs the screen game good. He's a good runner between the tackles. He's a utility running back. He's exactly what you want at the running back position. I like Marlon Mack. And then you're going to offset him with a guy like Jonathan Taylor, who can run it down your throat, run it down your throat, and guess what? Keep coming at you and running it down your throat some more. Because that's all I did in Wisconsin with Jonathan Taylor. I like like Jonathan Taylor. I think he's going to be an effective running back in the league. I think the Colts are going to struggle with their schedule. The Colts have a tough break. They go, they're home against the Ravens. They're at Tennessee. They're home against the Packers. They're home against the Titans. And then they're at Houston. And then they have the Raiders, Houston, Pitt, and Jag to right out the season. Like, they're going to have a tough schedule. They're going to fall on their face a lot. I think that. They're going to they're gonna struggle at times. The Colts have a lot of new faces around there. They're going 7 9. So, to round out the AFC South, we got Houston going 13 3, Tennessee at 11 5. The Colts at 7-9, and and the Jags at 2-14. Now, we could see a wild card out of the AFC South, depending on how it goes. I'm going to bring you my AFC West here, and then I'll tell you the other team I think could sneak in there, possibly, for that wild card spot out of the AFC West. You know, We're going to find out how they are, because they got a tough schedule as well. But we're going to see how it goes. The start of the schedule is a little, little weaker than what the end of the schedule is, but I think that's going to play a factor to this. Let's go into to the AFC West. Let's start with the, the Super Bowl champs, the Kansas City Chiefs. I like what they did in the draft. They got a, a running back that fit their system, that fit their scheme. They got Clyde Edwards-Elaire from LSU, who ran a lot of shotgun, a lot of five wide, with Joe Burrow and LSU in that system. I, I think they got a guy who's going to fit right in with their scheme, you know what? They have a tough schedule. I, I, I think the Kansas City Chiefs have a tough schedule. I think they're going to win 13 games. But I think they're going to have to earn every single one of them. Everyone is going to give the Chiefs their best shot. That's for that's guaranteed. Wide receiver Demarcus Robinson. They re-signed him. They re-signed Mike Rammers at offensive line. They got tight end Ricky Seals-Jones, who I think is a sneaky pick at tight end. You're going on the other side there of Travis Kelsey. And they franchise tag Chris Jones. And they also picked up two DBs, which I know was one of their big concerns in the offseason. Could Mahomes be better? Could Patrick Mahomes be better? Another thing is, you know what? Kansas City made a living off of coming behind last year. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that again this year. Yeah, well, I know they got Pat Mahomes. I get that, but I honestly think that these teams are, you know, they're they're getting a little bit better. I don't know. I don't know if you're going to be able to come from behind like that. Especially on the road. We're going to find out. I like the Chiefs. They're probably going to be most people's Super Bowl favorite again this year. Chiefs 13-3. They start out with Houston. They get a semi-break with the Chargers, then they get the Ravens. Tough schedule, tough go there. They got the Bills and Denver back-to-back weeks to close out the season. They got the Bucks, Broncos, Dolphins, um, uh, New Orleans, Atlanta, and the Chargers. Now, what's tough about it? Well, the Bills in there, the Raiders in there twice. I think the Raiders are going to give them a good game. We'll see. Chiefs thirteen and three. Moving on, Chargers. You know. The the Chargers were an interesting story. I, you know, I, I like the Justin Herbert pickup. You know, there was some talk that, you know, the 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 OC really liked Tyrod Taylor over there, and he was kind of kind of wanted to stick with Tyrod Taylor. But you know, when you draft a guy like Justin Herbert, who's a big, tall framed quarterback, uh, he's a he's a he's a prototype quarterback. You know, he's a big big frame guy. He's got a big arm. He's tall. Uh, you know he can move out of the pocket. He can extend plays. Uh, you know some of the time we were worried a little bit about his accuracy and on, especially on his short throws. Is he going to be able to make those plays? You know especially with with pressure coming at him. I'm not sure how the Chargers' offensive line is going to hold up. They did get Brian Belaga, uh from the Packers. They got Ryan, uh, Hunter Henry. They got quarterback Chris Harris Jr. from the Broncos. Uh, you know. Who do you go with? Uh, do you go with Tyrod Taylor? Do you go with Justin Herbert right from the start? I, I You know, I think that's an interesting toss-up, man. Yeah, Tyrod Taylor uh, had a decent shot in Cleveland, then he got hurt, and Baker Mayfield came in led to victory, and that was the end of that story. And I know we've seen that story. A quarterback that goes in and get, something freakish happens and he gets taken out, and then bam, somebody else runs in and he never sees the field again. We've seen it before. It's happened before. What's going to happen with this group? You start Tyrod Taylor. Say, hey, Justin, try to learn from Tyrod Taylor. You say, hey, Justin, we're going to give you the reins. There's going to be some bumps in the road. You're going to get hit, but we're going to learn. It's tough. I, this is a tough choice. How I, you, you kinda, I think you throw away the season. You, you're not going to get anywhere great this season. You're not going to get the playoffs, I don't think. You're not going to get a wild card. You're not winning this division. Chargers have a long way to go still, in my opinion. I think they're on the right track. Get Justin Herberts on the right track. But do you start him? That's a str- I don't know. That's a struggle for me. I I thought Tyron Taylor did some good things with the Browns when he was there. I do. But I don't know when the last time Ty- Tyron Taylor threw a pass. He played a few games and never threw a pass. What is he going to be able to do? Is he going to start? Is Keenan Allen going to be able to stay healthy? Then you got to think, there's no Melvin Gordon. So how good is Austin Eckler going to be without Melvin Gordon there to help counteract with them? They don't have that one-two punch now. How is Austin Eckler going to do on his new deal? The Chargers are an interesting story. Who's there going to be their quarterback? Phillip Rivers has been there forever. Now they don't have Phillip Rivers, and they got to figure out who they're going to have starting at quarterback because they don't have a guy that they can trust anymore because he's not there. Who do you go with? In my opinion, I think you go with Tyron Taylor. Right now, I think Tyrod Taylor gives you the best chance to win. Put Justin Herbert on the side. Let him train a little bit. Let him get used to the game speed a little bit. He's your quarterback for the future. Go let Tyron Taylor play. If Tyron Taylor gets hurt, by all means, Justin Herbert's the guy. Right now, you have to go with Tyron Taylor. I think he gives you the best chance to win. Not only that, but you're giving Herbert time to develop. I think that's important. Look at Alex Smith and Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes sat out his first year. He won MVP the first year he started. I don't see the problem. Chargers, interesting story. What's Keenan Allen going to do? Tyrod Taylor's got to start there, in my opinion. Chargers, 7-9. Moving on. Oakland Raiders. Now, excuse me. The Las Vegas Raiders. Interesting story here. I think they got a tough schedule. I, I you know, I, I think they're going to be in a lot of games, personally. They drafted Henry Ruggs, wide receiver out of Alabama. They improved their backside with Damon Arnett at corner. They signed linebacker Corey Littleton. They got quarterback Dem- Demarius Randle. They signed Jason Witten at tight end, defensive end Carl Nassim, safety Jeff Heath, Wide receiver Nelson Aguilar. They signed guard Richie Incognito. And they also got Marcus Mariota. I I like the offseason acquisitions for the Raiders. I thought I thought they, they did what they needed to do. They went and got a good linebacker. They went and got a wide receiver. I you know, this is exactly what they needed to do. They got a, a, a good, another good offensive line. They got two good corners. I Oakland's moving in the right direction. I think they were seven and nine last year. I got them at eight and eight. They got a tough schedule. They, they got a tough stretch at a few at, at a few stretches here. I, I, you know, they got to play Denver twice. I like Denver a lot. They play uh, the Bucks at the Browns at the at Kansas City home against the Bills on the road against New England at home against New Orleans, those are tough games. I know I know. New England is a toss-up, but going to Foxborough and win it is still a challenge. I mean, going to Foxborough and beating Bill Belichick is still going to be a challenge for the teams of the NFL, even without Tom Brady. What's going to happen with the Raiders? Now, they're an interesting story, especially with Jason Witten going there. I thought Darren Waller had an amazing rookie season as a rookie tight end. Again, he was on my fantasy league. He went off. He had a great season. So, why the Jason Wynn signing? That's interesting. To go on the other side? I mean, you're going to put Darren Waller one on one? I would. Put Darren Waller one on one on the outside But let Jason Wynn come in and block. Then you've got two big guys blocking out there for a running game. They like Josh Jacobs. They're behind Josh Jacobs. I'm behind Josh Jacobs. I think he's a pretty good running back. If he can stay healthy they got to find another running back to coincide with him. (coughs) Excuse me, but if he can stay healthy, (coughs) he's a great running back. (coughs) I like the Raiders. I like the Raiders' offseason acquisitions. I do. I think adding Marcus Mariota keeps the pressure on Derek Carr to have a good season. He had a good season last year. He did. But he's been known to have a good season and then fall off. (coughs) They're hoping that doesn't happen by getting Mariota. Raiders 8-8. Moving on to the Broncos here, one of my favorite teams to talk about this offseason. season. <clears throat> and then after the draft, they only made that even more so. Yeah, you know, getting Melvin Gordon at running back was huge. They got Graham Glasgow at guard, quarterback C.J. Uh, AJ Bowie, uh, wide receiver. In the draft K.J. Handler, wide receiver Jerry Judy. I think Jerry Judy Jerry Judy is going to be dominant for the Broncos. I think he's going to be really helpful with Cortland Sutland, KJ Hamler, the speed burner. Uh, you know, just send him on the route and throw it underneath him and let him run to it. You know, I think the Broncos are gonna be really good. I you know, Drew Locke has his chance to shine, and if Drew Locke can't pull it through, uh Jeff Driscoll, you know, struggled at with at times with the Lions last year, but the Lions didn't have the running game that I think the Broncos are gonna have, especially with Philip Lindsay. Backing up Melvin Gordon, Phillip Lindsey coming in on third downs, catching those screen passes. They're going to put him in the slot. Denver is going to be so fun to watch this year. They got a new offensive coordinator, Pat Shermer, who's going to mix it up out there. I like Denver. Look, and I got Denver going 9 and 7 because I think their schedule is pretty tough. I got them winning their first five games. Hey, call me crazy. I got them beating the Bucks. I got them beating Pittsburgh, but they still got to go to Kansas City. They got to play New Orleans. They got to play Kansas City twice. In fact, they go to Buff. They got to play Buffalo. They got to play the Raiders twice. Again, the Raiders are going to be a tough team. They got to play the Falcons. I, you know, I, I like the Broncos nine and seven. But this is what I was saying about the other wildcard team in this division. I think the AFC West, the Broncos, could easily have ten wins. Tennessee can have ten wins. Then we're going to go head to head. We're going to go all do all this crazy stuff. The Broncos could get over Tennessee on a technicality, and then Tennessee will have a failed season, in my opinion. I like the Broncos nine and seven. Chiefs win the division at thirteen and three. Broncos at nine and seven. Raiders at eight and eight. Chargers at seven nine. Look, I'm excited for the NFL to start. I can't wait for them to get going. I hope everything starts on time. I I know everything's going to be shortened up a little bit. You know things are going to be, you know, a little bit different. You know they may not have that full training camp and they're not going to have those joint practices and, you know, a lot of things are going to be a lot different. But you know I I think the NFL is going to be good. I think it's going to be watched more than it has been the last couple of years uh, because people have been deprived of their sports you know you're going to have the nba playoffs going on during during the nfl season so it's going to be interesting there's going to be a lot of stuff going on uh, it's going to be excellent for viewers i think uh, especially again people have been deprived of their professional sports uh, you're looking at weekends of football Uh, All through the week, basketball, just nonstop professional sports. I think people are going to look forward to that uh, as long as everybody can stay safe and do what they need to do to keep it safe. Uh, So we want to do our last thing for this episode. Uh, We want to do our starting lineup. And I want to give a shout-out to the people who joined in. I put it on Facebook, you know, uh, so I want to mention all the people uh, that gave their starting lineups as well. Uh, First, I want to start with mine at point guard. And you know, I pretty much did the obvious here. I, I think most people's are going to be this way. I, I point guard Magic Johnson, you know, one of the greatest passers of all time, if not the best passer of all time. He was triple double machine. And uh, Magic Johnson was just an ultimate, ultimate player at shooting guard. Uh, duh. Michael Jordan, uh, only the greatest player to ever play the game. Six six rings. Uh, you know, his resume speaks for itself. But, you know, small forward for me was was pretty tough. You know, I I thought it was pretty tough to pick this because it was between Michael Redd and Manu Ginobili. I, and I I thought Michael Redd was more of a two. I thought Manu was kind of more of a two as well. But, you know, Manu was kind of that special guy you could throw in at small forward. So I, I threw in Manu Ginobili, uh, just an ultimate competitor. I love watching him play at a young age. He was one of those first overseas players that ever really made, you know, his name, you know, for what he was doing and... You know, he was always a great player, a great professional. Uh, he had a great career with the Spurs, his whole career with the Spurs. Uh, you know, he played a lot of, of the Argentina for the, you know, the baseball classic for the Olympics and all that, or excuse me, basketball classic and the Olympics and all that stuff. So, uh, Mata Ginobili at, at small forward. Montrez Harrell at power forward. You know, this was pretty tough. You know, was Marcus Camby is a good pick. But I, you know, I just, Mike, I thought Montrezl Harrow was having a dominant season in the league this year. I think he's a great power forward. He's agile. He's fast. He, he's super aggressive on the boards. Uh, uh, just, just an ultimate hustle guy, a guy that you really want on your team. Uh, and then at center, I had Moses Malone, uh, you know, pretty much just a dominant force, a 2012 guy a night, uh, for his career. And just, you know, just an absolute beast, a guy who is a wrecking crew inside. Uh, And then my sixth man, I I put Monte Ellis. You know, I think Monte Ellis is a special player. Uh, He can come off the bench. He can start. He can play point guard. He can play shooting guard. uh, He can be a small, small forward. uh, Whatever you need to do, this guy will do it. Excuse me, he's an excellent sixth man. Uh, Another guy I wanted to put a mention out for was Mike Bibby. You know, I love Mike Bibby a lot. He was a really good player. excuse me, a good team player as well. And, you know, those are just some of the names I wanted to mention. You know, Magic Johnson, again, point guard, shooting guard, Michael Jordan, small forward, Manu Ginobili, power forward, Montrezl Harrell, center, Moses Malone, six-man, Monte Ellis. Uh, A couple people on Facebook here I want to share with you. There's Mark McMahon, Muggsy Bogues at point guard, Michael Jordan at shooting guard, World Peace at small forward, Moses Malone at power forward and Maurice Lucas at center, and a six man it was Mo Williams. Um,. Uh Brad Booth posted Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Mike Miller, Moses Malone, Marcus Canby, and Manu Ginobili. Uh, you know, Mike Miller, I told him, I know Mike Miller was a pretty sneaky pick there. I you know I like Mike Miller a lot. Uh had a few had a few teams that he played on there. He was always a good professional, good team player. Uh, always had a good three ball. You could count on him to play defense. Uh so always a big fan of Mike Miller, so I you know, I told him I really like that pick. So uh, you know, in our basketball starting lineup is brought to you by AB Perfectionist Painting. Uh, you can get a hold of the uh, the owner, my buddy Austin Perdue, at four one nine nine zero six one six two seven. Uh, get a get a quote from him today. Um, you can check out his Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash ab perfectionist painting. You can see all the pictures that they post and the before and afters. Uh, they do an amazing job. Perfectionist really is in the title. Uh, you know, is really what they are all about. I mean, they're going to turn transform whatever you have into something absolutely special, uh, and make it your own. And uh, uh, he's very personable. Uh, they'll do exactly what you ask them to do. And and if if you want something fixed, they'll fix it. Uh, great people, great person to have work for you. Again, uh, give the owner a call. Austin Berdue, nine zero four one nine nine zero six sixteen twenty seven. A B Perfectionist Painting. Uh, So that's going to do it for this episode of the Snow Show Podcast. Uh, Appreciate you guys joining me tonight, and take it easy.